Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Y'all really want to try to say there aren't trans kids? Let me tell you what there aren't. There aren't cis kids, okay? You telling your child, oh, you're a boy, you're a girl. This is a child. This is a free spirit that has not learned any of that. So you force it on them. So cisness is the wound. Cisness is the delusion. Cisness is the lie. Oh, well, that's something. But it is not surprising because the more and more those engaged in the idol worship are exposed as the idol worshipers. And you could use idol worship or you can use um, uh, ideological purity or, or whatever you want. The more they have to believe the thing that they believe, the more things they will come up with, regardless of how it flies in the face of reality. If the idea is that a boy decides they're a girl and that's the reality as opposed to a boy being a boy, the argument is somehow these people are above science and above nature. That is one heck of a place to put oneself. Of course, it's also criminally insane. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. You'll forgive me. I, I'm I'm putting together a, a thesis and realizing that I didn't know that I was connected to a concept, but I wasn't sharing it properly. And that is the recognition that there is actually no such thing as virtue signaling. Everything is based on reputation capital. <laughs> you want to do this? Let's do this. Gra- grab a bourbon if you got it. By the way, it's gorgeous out in, in central Indiana. And how I am not outside is, is beyond me. Uh, I, I should be sitting outside, bourbon in hand, discussing this with you. Cigar in one, bourbon in the other. Perfect. My gosh. Let's start. With this guy, Dylan Mulvaney. And of course, I've been discussing Bud Light. And how Bud Light is taking it on the chin. And Bud Light is getting hurt. And there's this possibility that there are real sales issues with Bud Light. Now, I have not heard from any distributors or any retailers about this. We're only seeing this uh, as, as a conversation anecdotally. I haven't checked the stock price. Stock price may be down. But the stock price being down is different than whether or not people are not buying Bud Light because they decided that the thing that they wanted to do was get in bed with this guy, Dylan Mulvaney. Dylan Mulvaney is a man. There are no questions about this. And Dylan Mulvaney is engaged in one of the great cons you have ever seen. He's playing woman face. You, you know what blackface is. This is woman face. Pretending to be a woman, playing the part of a caricature of a woman, so ridiculous and embarrassing and pathetic that women should be outraged. Women should be out of their head apoplectic about this. 
and he's raking in crazy cash. Crazy deal. It's only a moment before they put this dude in movies. Crazy money. Why is that happening? Why would Bud Light make this 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 pronouncement that they're going to take this guy and make a one-off can for him and 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 work with him in an advertising way? Why what does Dylan Mulvaney have to do with Bud Light? Well, when we heard the VP of marketing for Bud Light make her statement, we all said this is this is your idea of marketing? Well, I'm a businesswoman. I had a really clear job to do when yeah. I took over Bud Light. And it was, this brand is in decline. It's been in decline for a really long time. And if we do not attract young drinkers to come and drink this brand, there will be no future for Bud Light. So I had this super clear mandate. It's like, we mm-hmm. need to evolve and elevate this incredibly iconic brand. And my, what I brought to that was a belief in okay, what does what do what does evolve and elevate mean? It means inclusivity. It means shifting the tone. It means having a campaign that's truly inclusive and feels lighter and brighter and different and appeals to women and to men. Mm-hmm. And representation is at sort of the heart of evolution. You've got to see people who reflect you in the work. And we had this hangover. I mean, Bud Light had been kind of a brand of fratty, kind of out of touch humor. And it was really important that we had another approach. I would fire her immediately, if not sooner. But I, I, because she's talking smack about the brand. She wasn't, she she isn't uh, addressing, I think in a way that represents Bud Light well. But my gosh, how... How not out of the box thinking do you have to be? Hey, you know what we need to be? Inclusive. It's beer. That's the commercial. Bud Light. It's beer for people who want a beer. Enjoy. Kylan, Kylan is our producer today. Kylan, uh, just start paying me now. Every time I come up with with a Bud Light commercial, just start paying me uh, uh, immediately because it's all better than what this woman was putting together. Kylan, it's you. You are you are a are you a millennial or are you a Gen Z? I'm technically Gen Z. Are you really? I am. Okay. Um. Uh. Do you drink Bud Light? No, not at all. Okay, is that because you drink White Claw or because you're drinking another beer? I don't particularly like beer. So, I'll so stick you're to my just bourbon and wine or something else other than beer. Ladies and gentlemen, Kylan, she's she's available for all your commercial acting needs. Kylan, uh, her her uh, resume is out there. Hire her immediately. Um, do any of your peers drink Bud Light? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so younger people still are drinking Bud Light. So if, if, if there was a commercial that was appealing to Gen Z that says Bud Light doesn't suck. Does that work? Would, would that attract your, your, your age group? See? Instant cash, people. I am making bank for Bud Light. Well, we need it to be more inclusive. 
right? That's how we elevate the brand. I can think of nothing more low-hanging fruit than that. Doing what it is that everybody else is doing. Any person who has spent time thinking about this, you, bring this up at the kitchen table tonight. Bring this up with coworkers if you're having a drink afterwards. Maybe you're having a, a, a Bud Light. Bud Light, because happy hour's around the corner, but you don't want to spend a fortune. Kylan, what do we, what do we think? More money for cats. Hot damn. Um, ask yourselves uh, th- th- this, this, this question. Dis- dis- discuss this. Um, you know, when, 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 you, when you engage the, the idea of, of marketing, um, who, who are you trying to uh, attract? What is it that, that you're trying to attract? You want to sell more beer. That's, that, that's, that's totally fine. The, the inclusivity thing is, is not it. It's not it. So why did they decide this was it? Why did they decide that inclusivity was the thing that mattered? This buzzword that you're hearing everywhere that is in no way unique. Follow me. Follow me on all of this. If you are Bud Light... If you are Budweiser, Anheuser-Busch, owned by InBev, remember, it's no longer an American company. There has to be something in it for you. For Disney to admit that they add characters to fulfill ideological desire as opposed to creating good films, there has to be something in it for them. Well, Tony, it's their ideology. With all due respect, that would be virtue signaling. And I'm here to tell you that's not real. I could be wrong in my theory, but I'm not, I'm not workshopping this. I'm doing it here. I'm doing it live. Let me break it down. Virtue signaling isn't enough. To signal virtue has to have a purpose because no one is altruistic. So the reason one signals virtue is to gain what I have referred to on this program for the past couple of years as reputation capital. It is a value. It is a currency like gold or Nutella. It is a currency by which you can trade and get other things. Reputation capital on social media allows you to de- to then make other statements and engage some level of leadership of some type of group that will then give you opportunity. For a company like InBev, Anheuser-Busch, the, the Bud Light brand, it is not just reputation capital, this thing in the ether, but actual capital. If we understand what ESG is, environmental social governance, and how that investing happens, well, we only invest in you if you have this kind of board member and this kind of this and do that kind of that and have that kind of woke and show us how inclusive you are, then you get our institutional dollars. Well, then the companies move not in the interest of the company and not in the interest of the profit, but rather in the interest of getting you to do X, Y, and Z. They will hurt the company to do what they believe is helping the company. And they will do things and make maneuvers to enrich themselves at the expense of the other. When you watch Nike 
support Colin Kaepernick. And everyone said, oh, Nike's done. Nike got hurt for an hour and a half. Nike understood their customer much better than many other people understood their customer. And Nike came out of it smelling like a rose because their customer was with Colin Kaepernick. They love Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick is wrong. Colin Kaepernick has not done anything to ease uh, racial tensions in the United States. He only exacerbates them. He's done nothing to help policing the United States uh, at all and in any way. He has done nothing. He has said the most to do the least. That's Colin Kaepernick, ladies and gentlemen. Nike cost them nothing to support him. And it cost them nothing to put together a deal with Dylan Mulvaney to sell sports bras. Dylan Mulvaney is a man and he is modeling and selling sports bras for Nike. What the hell is that? And when people said, oh, this is weird, this is ridiculous, this is gross, because people said that, Nike said, be nice, be kind. Now, the Dylan Mulvaney thing is a much different thing than Colin Kaepernick because the Dylan Mulvaney thing is absolutely not where their audience base is. It's not. So why'd they do it? They did it because somewhere there's a value to them. There is a dollar to them. There is an opportunity to them. And it doesn't matter if America has a temporary little freak out Johnny, little Johnny, wants his Air Jordans, and when you bring him back some New Balance, he's going to punch you. The juice is worth the squeeze. They take the hit. Bud Light doesn't mind taking the hit. Nike doesn't mind taking the hit because the hit is small. But clearly, the opportunity cost of, of taking that hit is large. They're not virtue signaling. They're getting something out of it. All virtue signalers, one way or another, get something out of it. Now, there are the people who I can't imagine get anything out of it. Megan Rapino and Sue Bird. Megan Rapino, soccer player. Sue Bird, basketball player. They are trying to stop the federal government from engaging the Protection of Girls and Women in Sports Act. We're going to say that girls compete against girls and boys don't compete against girls. We're going to say there's a difference between boys and girls and men and women. And they're opposed to it. They're part of a group called Athlete Ally. They believe the bill wouldn't protect women in sports, but rather exclude women and girls from getting mental and physical health benefits. The girls are allowed to participate in the sports. It's the boys who make the claim that they're girls, which they are not. They wouldn't be able to participate in that sport. So you're saying that the girls, the actual girls, should sit back and take it while the boys who claim they're girls take their spots. From feminists to misogynists in less than a generation, that's super impressive. Why would they do it? And the answer is reputation capital. There's something in it for Megan Rapino. There's something in it for Sue Bird. They get something.
And that something comes at the expense of your stupid kid. Your stupid morals. Your rational thought. The idea that Anheuser-Busch didn't know this was a bad idea is laughable. They didn't care it was a bad idea. They were good with it because they got something on the other side. It didn't matter if they screwed the distributor or, or the guy who stocks the shelves or the store owner. It doesn't matter. Nike got something out of it. They don't give a damn. Just buy more jerseys. Just buy more sneakers. And there's a huge swath of American audience that will. Megan Rapino doesn't care what happens to your daughter as long as she is seen as a beacon of virtue and gets some more endorsement deals out of it. Dylan Mulvaney has everybody played. He's making money hand over fist. And all these companies, they're not virtue signaling. They're making money hand over fist too. There is no virtue signaling. There is only reputation capital gained in some sort of way. Otherwise, nobody would do this. Follow the money. That's what I've learned. That's what I'm doing. I'm Tony Katz. To be young and in love in New York City. I'm going to get to this dieting story coming up in a little bit. I've also got the updates on what's been going on in in Louisville. But what is a day without checking in with Joy Reid at MSNBC? Where she gets into a conversation that Republicans, they like lynchings. You have Republicans in multiple states, including Florida, passing and pushing laws that will allow people to hit Black Lives Matter protesters or any protesters they like with their cars. And this was after the Charlottesville murder by car of a white woman who was a Black Lives Matter protester. They seem to have you know, gotten back into lynching, hanging, um, all sorts of other sort of draconian 19th century fare. What is going on with Republicans that they seem to like be bringing back the lynching vibe? This is considered acceptable television. Uh Heather Heyer was the woman who was killed in Charlottesville. And I didn't recall her being a Black Lives Member Matters protester. I thought she was protesting um, the, the, the white supremacists. You know, the people with the tiki torches chanting Jews will not replace us. Uh, just to be clear, uh, on behalf of the Jews, we're not looking to replace you. As I've said many times, you walk around in bad fitting khakis and with tiki torches. We're doctors. Um, we, we have no, we have no plans of replacing you. We don't want your life at all. We think you suck. Um, but when people proactively block traffic, they're surprised when the cars keep going. Picture what Joy Reid is saying. Somebody decides to keep you from getting from point A to point B. Transporting your sick mother, your sick kid. That's okay. You have to wait for them. It's an unserious argument. Lynching vibe? She's trying to gin up hate and violence. Someone should say something about that. I'm Tony Katz.
Again, today, the president has called on Republicans in Congress to work together with Democrats to take action, to ban assault weapons and high-capacity magazines, to require safe storage of firearms, to require background checks for all gun sales, to eliminate gun manufacturers' immunity from liability. These are common-sense actions we can, we can ask for and should be getting right now. And it's what Americans want. We know that majority of the American people support this. Instead, we've watched Republican official after Republican official after Republican official double down on dangerous bills that make our schools, that makes our places, places of worship, that makes our communities less safe, while too many Americans are paying with their lives. So again, we need to act and we need Republicans to show some courage, Republicans in Congress. That's Corinne Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary. No one asked her, hey, this guy, this murderer in Louisville, he live streamed the thing. Can you tell me which one of your common sense laws would stop that? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. 833-468-8669, 833-GOT-TONY. Phone lines are open. Feel free. 833-468-8669. He live-streamed it. Facebook immediately uh, found it and, and got it down. I don't know who was able to watch. This guy who used to work at Old National Bank, connections to Old National Bank, walked in, murdered five. It was four. Someone died in the overnight. It was five. Eight wounded. Police, Louisville Metro Police, killing the shooter. And they responded quickly. And they responded without fear. Worthy of respect. Just like we saw in Nashville. They handled the problem. By the way, you notice no one talks about the Nashville shooting. No one talks about Nashville. No one. You have this woman who claimed to be a man. You have uh, what we were told is a manifesto that somehow we're not allowed to read. On this one, we're not allowed to know because it, it might bring some problems to people who are transgender. I want to know why they murdered six people, three of them children. And nothing that Corinne Jean-Pierre is talking about would solve the problem that is a societal one. Why should she bother discussing societal problems? The cowardice is with you, Corinne Jean-Pierre, and your boss. The courage needed is by the Democratic Party, and I will argue the Republican Party, to discuss the cultural issues at play and the societal rot. Grow up. The guns aren't going anywhere. And you're a weirdo freak if you think they are. What are you going to do? Come collect them one by one? Is that your plan? Well, let me tell you that there is no question that for the people who are the gun grabbers, they will do anything to grab the gun. Absolutely, positively, anything to grab the gun. When we talk about the idea of gun registries, the end result of a gun registry is some state agency, some state, some federal agency deciding you have too many guns or you have too much ammunition, too much this, too much that. You have too many weird statements on social media and you have too many guns. They've decided what weird is and they've decided what too many is. And in order to ensure the safety of your children, we'll hold on to them. 
until you turn in your guns. Now, I have said that to people before, and they have looked at me like I have nine heads. There is no question that I am right. Why would I ever put it past the federal government trying to tell me what is acceptable and what is right in terms of firearms when the Second Amendment is as clear as day? Why would I not put it past them that they would utilize my children as a way of taking my ability to protect and defend myself and them? Why would I put it past the federal government to not take my children? Oh, Tony, what are you saying? This is a story from the Daily Signal. Katrina Trinko reporting. There's a bit of legislation called AB 665 in California. AB 665 was part of or was part of adding on to a measure that came in 2010 Signed into law by then-Governor Schwarzenegger, it was the Mental Health Services for At-Risk Youth Act. What that law allowed, I did not know about this. I didn't, I didn't know about this. It's funny because I, I lived in California at the time and I was not aware of this. It would allow children 12 and older to receive mental health care without parents' knowledge if a mental health provider determined that it was best not to involve parents. That's how it is reported by the editor-in-chief of the Daily Signal, which is part of Heritage Foundation. What a, what a thing to hear that you're 12 and older, some mental health provider says uh, you should... Um, get certain care but we're not going to let your parents know not going to let your parents know so the plan to pull uh, children away from their parents goes back to 2010 of course it goes back much earlier if you desire control you can't have parents you can't have nuclear families you can't have western civilization or western culture it must be eradicated it must be destroyed how else can you move an ideological future if you've got these freaking families in the way what with their god and all that kind of garbage with their morals and their standards lord forbid i'm discussing this like they discuss it what do you think cultural marxism is all about 2010, they've got this piece of legislation signed by Schwarzenegger. Oh, we're going to really help these children who need help. Now there's AB 665. The California Family Council says that the legislation would allow children as young as 12, building on this 2010 measure, to consent to being placed into a state-funded group home without parental permission or knowledge. You see, we already had to get them mental health and and mental help because they're having these issues. And the issues are because their parents won't accept them. So we, we we have to help these children. And we help these children by taking them from their parents. And that is what keeps the children safe. That is what helps them. We know better, and we will raise the children. That's what's best for everybody. So you have to be 142 years old in order to buy a rifle, but a 12-year-old can determine, I'm not living with my parents anymore, and the state says, that's okay, come with us. We'll tuck you in late at night. 
How many times have we argued, discussed that the objective is the cleaving of the parent-child relationship, the ripping them in two? If children can determine their own medical histories, if children can determine when they get an abortion, if children can determine who they love, what is the purpose of the parent? Eliminate the parental role, and then you can easier build up the ideological world you're looking for. You think there's someone within the sound of our voice, guys, who could even begin to push back on this? Best of luck. The people who are screaming, oh, Tony, have never thought about this a day in their lives. And I guarantee you and I will show them grace because sometime tonight they're going to be thinking about this. And sometime the night after or the night after or the night after, they will find themselves like Atlas Shrugged. And they will find themselves crying after a conversation with John Galt, realizing that this is indeed the plan, the desire. I'm happy to discuss this anywhere at any time. The desire is to rip apart the nuclear family. The desire is to take children away from their parents. The desire is for control. That's the desire. And in order to move this along, the latest craze, this transgenderism craze, cannot be questioned. As a matter of fact, it is a standard. It is the way things are. And if you were going to ask questions, you might ask about this shooter uh, in Nashville who murdered three children. You might ask about them and their manifesto, which you're not allowed to see because it hurts the narrative. You're not allowed to ask about this guy in Louisville and what he thought and what he believed and why he thought it was necessary to kill these people he formerly worked with. We argue, or I should say people like Corinne Jean-Pierre and President Biden argue ignorantly that it's about the gun. It is an ignorant argument put forth by ignorant people. Allow me to be as clear as day. The Second Amendment remains. You have the right to keep and bear arms. You have the right to protect yourself and defend yourself. And we live in a society with guns, and these people can't get every gun. It wouldn't matter if they took every child. And of course, the plan is to take the children. I just proved that. Can't get the guns from criminals. Can't do it. You'll never do it. So, criminals will have weapons and you won't. Criminals will be in charge and you won't be. Criminals will have guns, police will have guns, and you will serve at the whim of both. Pretty ugly society. Count me out. The Second Amendment remains, and people like Corinne Jean-Pierre are the cowards. Because they won't look at this in a societal way, and it's the only way it needs to be looked at. How do I prove that? This guy live-streamed the killing. If you're live-streaming murders, it's not about the gun. I'm going to say that again for the people in the cheap seats who just want to scream. These moms demand action types. 
if you're live streaming murder, it's not about the gun. The gun is not the problem if you're live streaming murder. The problem, of course, is societal. The problem, of course, is this destruction that we are all a part of. Whether we're guilty of it or living in it is inconsequential. We're all a part of it. Something is missing from society. Something has been extricated from society that needs to be reintroduced. Or something has been in, is in society that needs to be removed. These are the options. These are the only options. Now, I'm willing to listen to a third. I'm willing to hear somebody say, well, Tony, there's another way to look at this. I'm all ears. But when you see this woman, confused, decide to kill nine-year-olds, it's not about a gun. That's about something else. When you see a grown man going to kill other people, or not, not one person, the boss who made me angry, co-workers, and live stream it, that's not about the gun. That's about something else. So much of this is about perseverance and resilience and how one deals with problems, with conflicts, with pain. And it's certainly not made better by those people who claim that if you don't accept X, Y, and Z, you're the reason for the problem, the conflict, and the pain, and you deserve anything you get. Oh, you, you're not going to let your child do this or that? Well, expect them to get violent. Expect them to get violent. And if you're not a believer in that, let's go back to the words of Corinne Jean-Pierre just the other day, talking about laws like in my Indiana, which say we don't have gender transition uh, surgery for minors. With the enactment of a new law in Indiana, 14 states have now banned gender-affirming health care, while some of these laws are currently blocked by courts. This is a dangerous, a dangerous attack on the rights of parents to make the best health care decisions for their own kids. According to the Human Rights Campaign, more than 50% of transgender youth in the U.S., which is estimated to be more than 150,000 kids, live in states in which transgender youth have lost access to or at risk of losing access to gender-affirming care. Look, this is awful news. Let's be very clear about that. LGBTQI plus kids are resilient. They are fierce. They fight back. They're not going anywhere. Who do they fight back? That's the White House press secretary saying these children, which she puts in this label, are fierce and they fight back and they're not going anywhere. And we have their back. They're fierce towards whom? Their parents? You have their back while they fight their parents? So you, Corinne Jean-Pierre, are saying that the federal government, the Biden administration, is against parents. Just say the words. Just say it. I don't know how many more ways they have to tell you guys that their objective is this destruction. But it is. 
Not because I said so, but because as I have proved through multiple examples, they say so. So what do you say? I'm Tony Katz. Wall Street Journal has a story about Ozempic. The $76 billion diet industry asks what to do about Ozempic, and the answer is go out of business. You don't work for everybody. The food pyramid was a lie. This idea that you work out, work out, work out, work out, and everything's going to be all right is a lie. And Ozempic comes around, which is really for people who have diabetes, and people realize, wait, I could lose weight with this. And that leads you to a Govi, and that leads you, I think it's Eli Lilly, which makes Manjaro. Um, they're going to change the game. They're already changing the game. Because it turns out, you know what? Maybe you're not lazy. Maybe it is just physiological. And so now what does Weight Watchers do? Or what does this health guru do? I don't know. Learn to code? You told people there was only one way to do it. It wasn't true. Now they're going to try other ways. What do I think of the $76 billion diet industry? I don't actually care if they go bankrupt. There are options. This is Tony Katz today.